Hey, I wanted to take just a second and tell you how much I appreciate you listening to the Talking Hoops with Coach John Cook podcast. If you're a regular listener and you enjoy the podcast, I'd like you to consider uh, being a partner to the show. We've lost our sponsorship with Anchor. They're still our platform, but the sponsorship agreement has ended after four months. and, And I would really like you to consider being a sponsor and a partner to the show. There's a place at Anchor. Uh, .fm where you can uh, donate to the podcast on a monthly basis and it can be as small as a couple of dollars and as large as you would like it to be uh, and we would like to consider uh, some title sponsorship if we get some some donations that are are, are larger in nature but I, I really am just hopeful that that a handful of listeners who enjoy what we do here would like to see this continue and allow us the opportunity to to gain from it and pay off some things too on our end here at the podcast. So if you're a regular listener to the podcast and you enjoy what we do and you have any interest at all in in being a sponsor and and making a monthly donation to the podcast, please visit anchor.fm and uh, check out the option of of making a monthly donation to the podcast. Greatly appreciate your consideration. And as always, whether you're a donor or not, uh, we hope you continue to listen and find enjoyment in Talking Hoops with Coach John Cook. Hi, I'm Coach John Cook, and thanks for joining me for this episode of the Talking Hoops podcast. My guest today is Brett Hammonds. Brett is the head boys basketball coach at Lincoln View High School, a member of the Northwest Conference located near Van Wert in Northwest Ohio. And I happen to think Brett is maybe one of the two or three most underrated coaches in the entire state of Ohio, certainly within the Northwest Ohio area. He's done a fantastic job at Lincoln View, uh, and I hope you enjoy my visit today with Brett Hammonds of Lincoln View High School. Hi, I'm Coach John Cook, and thanks for joining me for today's episode of the Talking Hoops podcast. My guest today is Brett Hammonds. Uh, Brett, this is one of those deals. I say this a lot on the podcast that, you know, I remember when I met you. I, I know it was 2016-ish, uh, or excuse me, 14-ish, 2013-14 when I was a coach at Allen East and, and you were a coach at Lincoln View. Feels like I've known you a lot longer than that just because I remember seeing you play in high school and, and you know, that you went to college. and um, But for – it's odd to me that for no longer than I've known you, it, it feels like we've been friends a long time. And I, and I think the game creates that kind of connection. So I just want to say thanks for coming on the podcast and agreeing to be a part of it. Uh, no problem, John. I appreciate you having me on. You know, I've been listening to it. You know, I think you're doing a great job and you know, just honored to be on here. Well, it, it's it's a lot of fun. And I, I've had a, I've had a lot of positive feedback and I got the same answer for everybody when they talk about what a great job we're doing or I'm doing or whatever with the podcast. It, it, it's amazing how really good guests just <laughs> kind of make everybody look good. And the, the guests have been great, largely because, as I've said so many times, people who spend much time at all in this racket have a pretty good story. And uh, everybody's story is unique. And I want to get into yours a little bit. But before we get into your story, uh, let, let's talk specifically about where you are now. If, I, if my math's correct, you're, you're getting ready to start, what, your ninth or tenth year at Lincoln View? I'm getting ready to start my uh, head varsity basketball coach, but this will be year 14 altogether, uh, coaching at Lincoln View. Okay, so we'll get into the to the journey a little bit, but I just I'm fascinated by things like this because it happens often in small schools or more often than people realize. My my first coaching job was right out of college, and I was at Ada High School. And for a guy that that graduated from Upper Side of Valley High School. Uh, getting your first coaching job at Ada High School was kind of a big deal because it didn't really sit very well with some people. It, it was it was a hard sell <laughs> to some of those people that were closest to me because of the rivalry. And and for those who don't know and most who listen will know, you're a Crestview graduate. Yeah, 
and, and yeah, so you, you you grow up in convoy or around convoy you go to crestview high school you graduate you go off to college and your first head coaching job and your your, your teaching job is at lincoln view you're not the only guy that's ever done it, but when you talk about being, you know, young guy taking that on, was it something when you took the job where you thought, you know, I, I, I'll probably be here a while, or was it, hey, this is a good starting point, but I, I'm not sure where I'll end up. What was your approach when you went ended up at your rival? Um, you know, coming out of school, you know, I just wanted to kind of get a teaching job around here, and, um, you know, I and applied at uh, Lincoln View a couple times and didn't get uh, an offer the first time I. Uh, applied for a teaching job, but the second time I did, and I was already actually coaching at Lincoln View um, at the junior high level. Um, I mean, the main reason that kind of brought me over here is uh, my wife and I were sitting at a uh, cook-off, a rib cook-off at Van Wert's um, Fairgrounds, and Mike Elston, who was the coach at the time, uh, came up and sat with us and, you know, sat down, um, and started talking basketball with me and kind of offered me the job if I'd want to do the junior high job. And, you know, as a Crestview grad, it kind of goes back and forth in your mind, you know, if I want to do it or, or not, and, you know, kind of just over talking with my wife, you know, my grandpa was, a was a huge Lincoln View guy and, uh, loved it was on the school board here. And most of my family went to Lincoln View. So just ran through and figured since, uh, you know, he was always a supporter of Lincoln View. It was probably my main reason for coming over here. And, you know, I chose to put on the blue and gold. And, you know, they've always accepted me and welcomed me over here. So it's kind of just progressed through my JV time and now into my varsity time of uh, coaching here. And it's just been a blast the entire time I've been here. Well, and I, I can tell you that the, for most people, it's it's not something they do experience, but the reality of it is, and I get asked all the time, because my, my last year of college, I coached the JVs at Ada while I was finishing school at Northern and coached the JV team. And it just so happened that that next year, the guy that I worked for was had left and there was a teaching job open in my area and there was a head coaching job opening. And, and, and so I, I ended up walking into a job at 23, but I had people say at the time, you know, going from upper, how did you, what was it like coaching at Ada? And the truth of the matter is, Brett, you, you're coaching two things you love if you're going into education for your career. You're coaching basketball and you're coaching kids. So uh, it really doesn't matter. I think once you get, I don't know, I was probably 25 minutes into my first open gym. And yeah. and it was like, yeah, th this is home right now. And this is where we've got to do things the right way. And we got to get as good as we can get. Yeah. And, and kind of the same thing. I mean, once I got here, you know, I felt like home. But I'll tell you what, I was pretty nervous going the first time I had to go over to Crestview. And <laughs> You know, and I, and I still get razzed a little bit by people over there. You know, they support me, uh, but, you know, that's that's a tough place to go. And, and I was kidding with uh, Coach Bass, him and I going back and forth. I still haven't found an, a way to win over there. So trying trying to figure that out in my career, how to how to get that done. But, you know, it, it's just great going back and forth when you have family on both sides, friends on both sides. And, you know, it, it's nice that uh, they welcome you in and, and make you feel at home. Well, when you figure out how to win over there, don't be stingy. Share the secret because there's a lot of guys that would like to know how to get that done. Uh, I know. It was nice playing over there because, you know, we, we could win over there and we were pretty successful. And now as a coach, we're trying to figure things out. And, you know, like you said, it's a very tough place to play, but hopefully some, someday it happens. Well, here's what I know. You, you're, you're going in your ninth year as a head coach, so you've played there at least four times. 
And and you've done better than I did at my alma mater because when I was at Ada and went back to Upper first the first year we got run completely out of the building. Uh, the second year we played them at home and and we lost when we missed a, a couple of free throws with no time on the clock that would have put the game into overtime. And just for good measure, when I went back to Upper Saddle Valley for my second return home, I got kicked out of the game. And never saw the end of it. So <laughs> no, don't don't let that happen. That, that's that, that's a bad experience. I wouldn't recommend that. Uh, I still don't think it was deserved, but that's a whole other story for a different day. And it was 20-plus years ago, so I probably need to get past it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your journey at getting to Lincoln View. Growing up, uh, where you did, and 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 when um, – I, I guess three things I always ask at this point of the podcast generally is, who, who were the guys that influenced you, uh, and, and, and when and did you know you that, that you wanted coaching to be – uh, a, a part of your future, and then I'll have a follow-up question uh, based on your answer to those two. Uh, you mean, growing up in Convoy, um, you know, it was nice. My older brother, um, we always were outside playing. We had a bunch of neighbor boys with us. You know, we'd either be playing football in the backyard or wiffle ball or playing basketball and, you know, kind of just growing from there and, and playing. And my dad was a huge influence, you know, coached us in baseball, coached us in basketball, you know, got played at the Y. Um, you know, just got more and more experience then, enjoyed playing, and, uh, you know, he kind of pushed us along to get better, and, you know, as a, a younger uh, brother uh, to my older one, I mean, you just, you want to be like him, you know, and he was athletic and you know, was tip talented, and you just want to try to get to that point, so, you know, he pushed as you wanted to keep going along, and, you know, kind of just worked my way up, you know, through junior high and high school and, you know, ended up making it to the college college level. And, you know, lucky for me being, the, you know, Chris, you know, I was blessed with some, you know, some great coaches. And, you know, Dave Springer, who's a guidance counselor over there now, was a huge impact on me. And, and Coach Jim Wharton, our uh, baseball coach there, um, two huge guys that kind of influenced my career and what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, just kind of pushed me on to the next level. And, you know, I got recruited actually, you know, for two different sports, for football and for basketball, but, you know, ch chose to play basketball. And, you know, you already had, um, when I arrived at Defiance College, uh, Coach Tom Palumbo, and you've had him on here. And, you know, he kind of recruited me in. And, you know, he was there. And then um, John Vanderwall, who coaches at Marietta, he was a GA there. So two guys that really impacted me at the college level. And then, uh, coach Palumbo left after my sophomore year, and we had a, a coach by the name of John Miller come in, and he was there uh, for quite a few years, and now he's the head coach down at uh, Hanover uh, College. And, you know, they kind of all just, you know, led me to the path that I wanted to go down, uh, just the role models they were as coaches, you know, all the way from my dad uh, on up, um, just pushing me to, to get better and kind of molding me into the – not only the player, but the coach I wanted to be. And, um, you know, just tried to learn from them the best I can. And that's kind of pushed me towards, you know, the path I choose, chose to go down. So what stands out, if anything, about uh, – and, and I love when guys mention coaches from other sports. So you mentioned your high school baseball coach. Um, and, and maybe it's, it's nothing that you can really specify. But if you could talk about what – kind of influence that was on you and how what you learned from him maybe translates into what you do, even though it's a different sport. Um, you know, I think it's just a relationship. You know, he has actually ran into him at, at Crestview when I went and watched my sister play volleyball. And, you know, just the interaction uh, he has and, 
you know, the conversations we can have and, you know, not only teaching the game, but, you know, the relationships, you know, he, he made you feel like you had worth in his life and uh, that you meant more to him than just a player, um, you know, to kind of welcome you in and show the love he had for you. Um, kind, of, kind of just was a lot of things I took from him and, and he made you want to play for him. And, and that's just kind of molded me to try to be that type of coach um, toward the players I've had uh, through my career. And I always like to ask guys this question that come from really established high school programs and go on to college because, I mean, let's face it, Brett, not a lot of guys that, that play in high school get to play in a program like you did um, in terms of this, the, just the overall uh, how solid the program is from top to bottom. The guys that coached you when you were younger in junior high and then obviously when you when you played in high school, you were coached by guys that were really good at what they do and the program is just on such solid footing. And you, you get to college, and I, I, I'm always curious about this. What, what was the first thing that you experienced in college maybe that was surprising to you? Um, you know, and I think just the talent level. You know, even at the D3 level, you know, some people think it's only Division three, but Division three players are, you know, extremely talented. And, you know, getting thrust into that uh, and just the, you know, level of competition that there is there and you know that kind of takes you back a little bit you know and, and um just a different mindset of the coaches you know you, you get used to you know we had uh, larry taylor was my varsity coach and dave bowman was my jv coach and you kind of get they've been in the crestview program for so long it kind of stayed the same way but then when you get thrown to a brand new set of coaches and just a different way of play uh, that you experience kind of takes you back a little bit and you know it's something you gotta be used to well, and, and I think that's a point that I hope young players that maybe that listen to this or can can, can grab hold of because I think we're in this era, Coach, when uh, a lot of guys just say, well, yeah, I like basketball and I'm in high school, so if I, I want to go to college and play, I'll go to college and play. And it, it, it's, it's, it's just not like that. College is, number one, you don't have to be recruited to play. A lot of guys go and, and quote, unquote, walk on, even at the Division three level, unrecruited guys can go make it. But it, it's, a, it's a totally different – focus in terms of what you do. I, I talk to my son a lot and he, you know, he's mulling over whether he wants to go to college and he's like, I know I won't be recruited, but I, I might still like to play in college. And I, you know, I've had to say to my son at times, you're not going to be able to play in college like you play in high school because you're going to walk in campus in August uh, of a college campus as soon as we ever get back to normal. And you're going to start basketball within the first week. You're going to start commitments yeah. that, that, that are really important. And you're going to be have demands placed on your time. And you're going to be taxed physically. And you're going to be taxed mentally. And so when you talk about seeing the talent level, obviously that's a, that's a really – that's like cold water in the face. But when you add that to the notion that the behind-the-scenes stuff that is required of you while you're adjusting to the level of play – uh, in an open gym setting alone, I, I just don't know that some kids can grasp what that step up is like. And, and like you said, even if it's quote unquote, just division three, it's, it's a monster change. Um, but you mentioned something that I thought was interesting is that you get to college and when uh, certainly playing for coach Palumbo versus playing in, in the Crestview program and for coach Taylor and coach Bo, and there was a drastic change in style of play. Uh, was that something that you were gravitating towards and were uh, interested in and, and was it good for you? Was that something that aided you as a potential coach? Um, you know, it aided me. You know, in high school, we did a lot of motion offense, um, you know, that some teams run today. But, you know, when we got to, to college, you know, it was 
you know, we're running gun, you know, it's full speed. We're pressing, it's up and down. And, you know, if they score two, we're looking to shoot a three and, you know, just the style of play and the shot clock gets thrown in, but, you know, it's just a whole different ball game. And, um, you know, coach Palumbo was able to recruit players to play in that system and that sort of way. And, um, you know, it was just a fun style of basketball to play. And, you know, it's, it's kind of went with my coaching career, but, you know, coaching at the high school level, you know, we don't get the opportunity to recruit kids in, you know, we got to, got to build kids in our program all the way up. And, you know, we got to adjust, uh, our system and things we do to the type of players we have. So, you know, we have a team like that, that, you know, coach Palumbo had, you know, we look to do those type of things. But, uh, you know, it was, it was just an enjoyable way, uh, to play the game of basketball. And it made you want to go, you know, play there and play at Defiance College at that time. When you were, when you were playing in that system, Brad, at that point as a college player, did you kind of know college, that coaching basketball was going to be a part of your future? Did you have that in mind at that point? Um, I'd say I had it in before that. You know, it was a nice thing. We had uh, many nights basketball camps at, at Crestview, and um, I just love doing that. I love working with the younger kids um, and interacting with them and trying to teach them the game. And you know, kind of. You know, with the coaches I had, it kind of just made me want to do it more and more. And, you know, learning from those uh, coaches and those sort of things as I kept going through, it kind of just pushed me to that. You know, I always got asked to work the youth camps when I played in college also. And, you know, we had up to junior high kids. And it was just fun, you know, getting to be able to teach the game of basketball and other aspects of life. So, you know, I knew that was something that I, you know, wanted to kind of pursue in my future. So when you were playing in college, were you – and maybe maybe more guys are than I realize, but it doesn't seem like too many. Were you one of those guys that as you're playing in that style, are you paying attention to the teaching sequence and how he introduces things? And, and are, are you kind of building a, a framework in your own mind of what it's going to be like when you get to be a coach? I always hear the story about Jim Harbaugh when he played at Michigan. And then when he obviously when he's in NFL, he said that he, he, he lived at Kinko's because he was always taking <laughs> taking the coach's stuff and copying it and filing it away, even when he was a, a, you know, a player early in his pro career. And I'm always curious about guys. I mean, I spent my whole life knowing that coaching is what I wanted, but I also was working as a student assistant. I wasn't playing. And so that was natural for me. But was there was there any part of you that was kind of filing those things away and, and maybe kind of building an idea of what you wanted to do as a coach and how you'd go about teaching it? Yeah, you know, I kept some of his, you know, things and those ideas that he did. And, you know, yeah, that style of playing, you know, kind of lucky for me, I was able to play for another coach and John Miller. And they were two completely different styles of coaches. He had one that was, you know, let's run a gun. And, you know, Coach Miller, who it was a set play almost every time down. So, you know, going back and forth that way, and I think I'd have to say I took more um, just the type of coach I am, you know, we run a lot of quick hitters and sets and, you know, I took more, uh, probably from coach Miller and, you know, I still have our scouting reports from, uh, 15, 16 years ago from when or 17 years ago from when I played for him, you know, and I kind of treat my scouting reports the same way he had them made up. Uh, we run a lot of plays that are called the same exact thing. So, uh, in our defensive system, the same. So, you know, I think I took, you know, more from him. Uh, and the aspects of coaching and those sort of things when it comes to breaking down drills uh, and that and, and kind of learn uh, more that way. So and I even have uh, – I'm, I'm lucky enough to be good friends with one of the GAs uh, that taught at Defiance College, and he has every practice plan. And, you know, sitting in my classroom, I have all the practice plans that we had uh, 
from when I when I played there also. I that's that's an invaluable resource and I love I love hearing that. And you know, I, I don't think anybody necessarily sets out in their playing career saying, I hope I can play for a couple different coaches, but when when you talk about the difference in the styles, I, I, I would imagine that's a tremendous benefit for a for a guy that wants to be a coach. And and you know, I had the I guess you'd call it good fortune. I don't know when I was on the Bluffton staff of having to compete with Coach Miller's teams. Uh, when he was at Defiance, and 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 then uh, you're you're talking about a guy in my estimation that might be as good uh, on the offensive end of the floor uh, as any coach at the small college level. Certainly, I mean, in terms of how well his teams execute, and not only execute, everybody runs good stuff. But particularly at the college level, when you run good stuff, part of running good stuff is being prepared for how teams are going to take away the thing you really want. And, and how you counter that. And I thought he did an exceptional job preparing his teams for here's the action we're looking at. And if they take something away, here's our response to that. Um, I, I never liked trying to prepare to beat his teams because at that end of the floor, it was a nightmare, uh, even, when, even when you did a good job. But, you know, you, I didn't realize at the time when I watched your, your team play, when I coached against you and then when I watched you as my son is competing against your teams now, that there, there are some similarities, though, I see now. I mean, I obviously can recognize the sets, but – you guys also tend to do a really good job of, te- of, of, of dealing with adjustments and, and dealing with certain defensive things and having really good counters. And, and I think there's a lot of benefit to what you experienced. Uh, what I would like to ask you, though, is, is in those two head coaches and maybe even Coach Vanderwall, who was an assistant, are there off the floor things? Are there management style things? Are there, uh, you know, uh, substitution pattern type things or, or just you know, ego management things that you remember taking away from how they handled their own players? Um, you know, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think they, you know, did a good job of treating us, you know, pretty much I'd say all the same way and uh, treating different things and handling, you know, because you have guys that, you know, different talent levels. And, you know, I think they did a good job of kind of explaining. And that's one thing I, you know, try to do is, you know, explain to kids what their roles are because not everyone's going to be, the number one scorer, not everyone's going to be this, but getting guys to, you know, buy into their role. And I think all the coaches I had, even, you know, defines the college's head coach right now, um, Scott Cutter, you know, he was a GA when I played and, you know, them just kind of setting that for us, you know, to get go. So we understand those sort of things. So we kind of, you know, live and try to excel at the role we were uh, meant to play. Um, and, and I just think they did a good job of that. And I think that's why it's, you know, college coaches, they're so successful because, you know, they don't leave any gray area there. You know, they try to make it, you know, here's your job. Here's what we want you to do. And, you know, we try to do those same sort of things. You know, it's interesting you say you talk about buying roles and in high school. In some ways, it's more challenging to get kids to do that maybe than it is at the college level uh, on some level. And, and I there's a young man out there that's kind of become a social media phenomenon. He's a Division three player, played at Mount Union, just graduated. His name's Devontae Frigga, and he's, I don't know, he's got four or 5,000 followers on his YouTube channel, and he puts out a lot of content, and some of it's just goofy shit, and it's just who he is, but he also has some really good messages, and Devontae talked most recently, and it would say this to guys, is that whatever it is that you've been asked to do, just absolutely be great at it and see how that works out for you. Right. And if we, if we get guys to buy into the notion of what are you asking me to do and can I be great at it? I I just try to imagine what that would do for a team. Yeah. And, you know, we've had guys that have been able to do that, you know, especially coaching, 
you know, here at Lincoln View, you know, we've had some guys buy into the role. And like you said, it's been tough for, you know, some to accept and, you know, but some of them just love, you know, accepting that role. And, you know, we've had teams that have been able to do that, and you know, and, you know, it's why some of our teams have excelled because they've been, you know, willing to do those things and do the dirty work and those sort of things. So, you know, it just makes it nice, you know, especially like you said, the high school level, um, to be able to get kids to buy into those roles and to be able to do that. Well, I want you to talk briefly, if you would, about your time as a junior high coach and then as a JV coach. Um, and and always, in, in my mind, when you are coaching a team, regardless of the level, I, I think you're coaching a team with the understanding that as a part of this program, I'm trying to get players ready for the varsity level. I think that's that should be without question what coaches how coaches approach it. But did you approach it for your own self as what I'm doing? I'm also preparing myself to be a head coach, even if I'm just coaching junior high. Yeah, you know, I, I did. And, you know, when it comes to when I was at junior high, I did. Um, I coached junior high at two other schools also. But, you know, when I got here to Lincoln View, you know, it was kind of, you know, if you're the eighth grade coach, you know, you're kind of, you know, I had a seventh grade coach with me, but we're making up practice plans every day. And, you know, it's tougher, you know, once in junior high, you don't have film or anything to get scouting reports on. But once you play them once uh, and then you come back and play them again, because in the Northwest Conference, you play teams, you know, twice. And, you know, so kind of breaking down things like that to be able to scout, to be making up practice plans, you know, how you want your practice, you know, to run. You know, how much you want to spend on team drills to skill work, to shooting, uh, all those sort of things. You know, you kind of build up to uh, that. And then when you get to when I got to the JV level, um, you know, we were kind of thrown into, you know, here's what this week's team going to do. You know, go work on that. Um, so there's a lot of times we were the scout team and, you know, we had to work on doing different full court presses and uh, those sort of things. So, you know, as a JV coach, you know, I had to go some, do some studying because as a coach, you're always wanting to learn. And I think that helped prepare me, you know, for the different defenses we like to run, to get me to understand those. Uh, so if I ever did become, you know, a head coach, I'd be able to, you know, throw those defenses in and have a good understanding of uh, the things we wanted to do in order to be successful. I, and, and you mentioned the JV coaching role, and I, I believe this from the bottom of my feet, that if you're a JV coach at a smaller school, uh, two things are true. One is you, you're going to have guys until they get good, and then you aren't going to see them again. Unless <laughs> and, and, and then you're not going to see them again until attitude gets shitty. And, <laughs> and, and, and the other thing that's true about coaching JV is you really don't get to do a lot of coaching your own team. Uh very limited in practice and on game nights, you're, you're, you're kind of coaching a little bit hamstrung because you haven't necessarily gotten that kind of focus. But I always felt like Brett, and I, I want to get your take on this, that I, I guess I'll just ask it this way. I won't lead you in any direction. What do you feel like was the number one thing as a JV coach that you learned that was most helpful when you became a head coach? Um, you know, that's a tough one. There's a, you know, a lot of things you you try to pick up when you try to learn, but, you know, I think it's just, you know, one of those things, like you said, you got kids who, you know, you try to get them good enough to go up and, you know, be able to play at the varsity level and, or if they come back. So I just think to adjust them to the kids you have, you know, to the, to the talent level, cause you're going to have different level. You're going to have those sort of things. So being able to teach kids, you know, cause we had some kids that play both JV and varsity. So getting them to, you know, be able to go back and forth and, you know, teach the little ins and outs of the offense that you want to do and to get the kind of team to mold together. 
uh, in those sort of ways were kind of some of the things as a JV coach, um, you know, and I tried to take away and, you know, Rob Welch was the varsity coach when I was here and, you know, and then Larry Clark, you know, one of the Hall of Fame coaches, you know, he was here also. So, um, you know, those guys just going back and forth with them, but yeah, I mean, just getting guys to mold together and just the little things you have to do, uh, to get kids prepared, um, was one of the things and, you know, just wanted to be, uh, flexible. You know, that, that was a, another main thing too, that, you know, whenever you were called on to go run a certain drill or to go run a certain offense or those sort of things, you just had to adjust and get your team ready to go. Well, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that being flexible and, and, and adjusting on the fly, because again, I think it's something you do so much as a JV coach that you, that you maybe don't hope you don't have to do as a varsity coach. But, but, but again, even, even as a varsity coach, particularly, I always felt like no matter what I was coaching, when I coached the JVs for the year I did, whether it was game night or practice night, um, it, it actually was helping me as a game coach. It was helping me stay nimble, uh, recognize, you know, changes that were coming and, 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 and opportunities where I might be able to steal a minute or two here to get, get on something with my guys. If I had a half of the gym for a little bit, I, I thought that the nimbleness that you had to have and the flexibility in coaching JV was really valuable uh, in, in preparing to be a head coach. Now there are people out there who played for me who would say, well, whatever you learned as a JV coach didn't translate very well because you were a lousy head coach. And that's, that, you know, that that's, that's what some people are going to feel, but I just, I, I think there's real value in coaching the JVs, even if you don't get to have necessarily quote unquote on court success or win a ton of games is as, as for your own development as a coach, I think the, the flexibility that's required of a JV coach is really, uh, really challenging, but also very, very good for you. Um, the one thing I'd ask is this, would your JV coaches say that you learned empathy? Like, <laughs> so you're, so you're empathetic toward their plight now that you're the head coach. <laughs> um, I would say somewhat. Yeah. But you know, I'm trying to figure out, uh, uh, my JV coach has a pretty good record, you know, and he's won over a hundred plus games at the JV level. So, you know, there's sometimes I think I need to learn from him also. Well, <laughs> apparently you just need to just leave his kids alone or maybe you need to, maybe you need to steal a few more of them. I don't know which direction that ought to go. But... Yeah. One, one or two. All right. Well, listen, we're right up against it. We're going to go ahead and take our break. Now when we come back, I just want to jump in right into your head coaching time at Lincoln, you talk a little bit about the program that you inherited and then get into some specifics about your program. Sounds good. All right. Hey, I wanted to interrupt the podcast just for a second to say thanks again for listening. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it, but I had a quick announcement for any of our listeners that are coaches or interested coaches in Northwest and West Central Ohio uh, looking to get involved in a clinic or coaches social type setting. Coach Greg Elking at New Bremen High School and I are working together uh, to put on an event called Talking Hoops Coaches Clinic and Social. It is Saturday, October 17th at the Halls of Hanover in Minster, Ohio. Again, if you're interested, you'll need to RSVP to Coach Greg Elking. That's coachelk34 at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to me and I can direct you uh, uh, to Greg to get the information you need. My email is coachjohncook at yahoo.com. It's got a limited capacity and we are holding it on October 17th. It's really short notice. So if you're interested at all, please RSVP now by contacting me. Again, coachjohncook at yahoo.com or contact Greg Elking at coachelk34 at gmail.com. Hope to see you on Saturday, October 17th in Minster. Okay, Brett. So, you know, you've had what I would say is a, and I put this in air quotes, 
typical journey to becoming a head coach in that you coach junior high at a couple different places. You, you worked your way up to become a JV coach, uh, spent some time as a JV coach, and then uh, became a head coach. I guess I have two questions, and they go in totally opposite directions. So the first question I'll ask is, at any point during your time as a junior high coach and then the, the, the time that you spent as a JV coach, were you ever tempted to apply for other head coaching jobs? Um, during that time, that's question one, and, and, and you can answer that how you choose to. But in, in in staying at Lincoln View and getting the job when you did, describe the program that you inherited, and what did you feel like were the things that were most important to you to get established right out of the gate? Um, you know, for me, I've never really had you know coming out as a junior high coach. Once I got uh, into my second year of JV, you know, I actually ended up getting hired to teach uh, elementary at Lincoln View, and you know, once I kind of got settled in here, um, you know, and got the head job, there was really, you know, no other jobs that really, you know, pulled my interest a lot. None that I really looked into. You know, I felt once I got in here and, you know, kind of put my name on the, the program and, and kind of got it set the way I wanted. Um, I just never, you know, really wanted to go anywhere else. And, and I'm happy here. And, you know, kind of like we were talking, I'm, I'm willing to stay here as long as they uh, want to keep me. So, um, you know, I've just enjoyed that. And then, you know, when I took over, um, you know, Rob stepped away after four years and, you know, I get a program that, you know, he went from, you know, his record in his second and third year weren't the greatest, but I thought he did a good job of, you know, getting a group his last year, they were 11 and 11 and, you know, he had them kind of going in the right direction. And then, you know, I come in and, you know, we have a group of kids that are going to be juniors and, you know, one was Kyle Williams, um, now that's now our girls coach and you know he was you know a three-year two-year varsity starter and he's going to be a three and ended up being a four-year but you know I just kind of wanted to get you know my name and the style of play I wanted uh, in this program you know on, on both ends of the floor um, you know like we talked about you pick up you know different things from different coaches and you know I just wanted to get my style of basketball in here and, and do that and get the defensive mentality that I've kind of always been taught, um, you know, put into our program. So, you know, we kind of just, you know, switch practices and focus more on, you know, breaking down simple drills and working on fundamentals and, you know, trying to get the little aspects of, you know, reach stepping on defense and boxing out and, and those sort of things. Um, so, you know, we've kind of done a lot of you know, drill work and those sort of things that, you know, throughout the years so far I've been here to, you know, try to make us better. But, you know, I just want to try to get it, get, get that program, you know, turned in, you know, the way I wanted it, you know, kind of as quick as I can. And, you know, we had some of those guys who were, um, going to be on varsity that played for me the year before. So it was nice that they were used to me, uh, and being able to go up and, um, uh, kind of mix with guys. I hadn't, you know, they were in the program, but I haven't really coached because some of them went straight from junior high up to varsity. So, um, you know, just getting that and getting those guys to mold. And, you know, I thought, you know, throughout these years, you know, we've had guys just buy into the system that we want uh, to do and buy into our coaching and uh, the ability that, uh, you know, we have and, you know, we feel uh, we have in ourselves as coaches to, to get them to do. And, you know, I think all the guys, you know, we've had a lot of seniors come through here. You know, I thought we've had a lot of great leaders and, uh, you know, they've kind of, put a stamp on it and on the program and kind of kept the trend going of what we want uh, out of the program that we're running. Well, you, I'm jotting down notes as you're talking. You, you gave me a couple of questions that I want to ask there. And I'll, I'll start this question off by uh, preface it by saying this, that, 
you know, competing against your teams and now watching your teams play. Um, Brett, I'll just I'll, I'll kind of toot your own horn for you. I, I've said for, well, since 2013-14, I've said to anybody that would listen that there's about three or four guys that I really watch in high school coaching that I think are remarkably underappreciated for how well they do this job. Um, and you're you're maybe first or second on that list, certainly top two. Uh, because, well, because you, you're in a league that has had a lot of marquee guys and, and, and there are guys who, who get some attention that's well-deserved, but because they are so well-established and it's assumed that they do certain things so well, I think you, I think you oftentimes are underappreciated. And, and the primary thing that I say that you do, uh, and, and this is just, again, from trying to compete with you a little bit and watching your team is if somebody's going to beat you, generally speaking, they're not going to beat you doing what they do best. Um, you, you make that hard. You make teams play uncomfortable. Even if you're not pressuring, you do a great job. So that leads me to this question. Defensively, you talked about the importance of, of footwork and drill work and really breaking things down. But talk a little bit, if you would, about how you balance your kind of core principles defensively and how you balance that with the importance of scout-specific things. Um, you know, we you – know, study a lot of film and break a lot of film down and um you know we give our kids a scouting report and you know we do those drills we work on the different closeouts we work on you know the different slides and the different defenses so when it comes to that you know we work on you know the closeouts we want to do and we just kind of throughout the week you know reiterate to these guys what we want and you know when we do certain drills you know if we want to switch if we want to the type of way we want to guard a ball screen you know we just repeatedly work on that in a different ways you know every week so when it comes to you know if we're playing a certain team that likes to do a certain thing you know our kids are kind of accustomed to you know knowing what to do and you know there's counters to every you know drill we do so in a game, if that happens, you know, we're able to be able to switch and to take things away. And, you know, our guys, you know, we've got, like I said, been able to buy into to those things and, you know, just, you know, trying to make it as difficult as we can. And that's what we put a lot of pressure on our players and practices, you know, to put them in tough situations where they have to work on, you know, getting out of those things and being successful uh, in practice because we try to make practices harder than games and, you know, just trying to build on that and, you know, our, like I said, we, we study a lot of film and break down a lot of things, and it's not always going to work, but, you know, we give it to uh, the kids the best we can. And, you know, I guess one of the examples I, you know, I have that, you know, sometimes our players don't always believe us, but, uh, you know, we had a scouting report in the game we were playing where, you know, there was a kid that was left-handed, and we kept telling our player to take away his right shoulder, like completely jump that aside and let him go over his left. And they didn't believe me that would work, and, Finally, the kid, he went over his left shoulder and he airballed it. My player looks at me with a shocked look. And, you know, I tried, tried to tell you it was going to work. But, uh, you know, so getting those sort of things. So they might not always believe you. But, uh, you know, I think once it shows in a game, you know, that helps them more. But, you know, that's probably one of the best ones I have when the kids aren't 100% sure. And, you know, like I said, we're not always going to be right. But. You know, there, there's times where, you know, it makes it successful for us and, you know, kind of creates somewhat of an advantage for us when we can do those things. So here's the question that I think for me naturally follows from what you just said, because I think everything you just said is relevant. And I think it's true for a lot of coaches is that you put the work in, you prepare, you got to ask your guys to do it. And you said it's not always going to work. So the question I, I like to ask then is 
particularly when you've been at it for a while, you know, you've got, you've got eight or nine years in as a head coach. And so you've got a way of doing things. You've got a way of preparing. You've got guys that generally buy in Um, on a game night, let's say just specific to a game night when you're doing what you've prepared to do and it's, it's not working. how, How do you determine on a given night? It's, it's, it's the player's issue. They're not, paying attention to detail they're not giving the the, the the right level of effort to make this work or they need our help this is our problem as a staff and we've got to try to change something to help those guys on the floor how, how do you make the determination which is the issue and, and then proceed forward because I think it's a really challenging thing with high school kids I really do yeah and it can be and you know like we were talking on the break you know I have a great staff you know, and guys with me who are very knowledgeable, and you know, we bounce ideas back and forth off each other. And you know, like there was a couple games this year where you know we chose to go zone, and you know they're just hitting shot after shot, and it's you know you're kind of going back and forth with your staff. Do we stay in it? Do we get out of it? And you know, and there's times you know we chose to mix it up, and you know choose to chose to uh, change the speed of the game, and you know sometimes that works, and, and it allowed us to get in back into things. And and then there's other games where. You know, you feel you can press a team and, you know, they're kind of getting easy baskets on you and, you know, you see how long it works and, you know, there's kind of just the time. And and there's also been moments where you just, you know, you ask the players, you know, I I put a lot of trust in my players and we'll sit there and, you know, we'll ask them, you know, it's not working. What do you think's best? You know, because I think if you give kids some ownership, you know, it might help them uh, work even harder and do a little more things. And, you know, so we did that some this year too, but, you know, there's kind of a fine line there. And like I said, you know, we, we, there's a lot of times we go from, you know, starting in a zone or switching a man or vice versa. If we can't stay in front of the basketball, you know, switching to a zone and seeing if that works. And if one ends up working, you know, we're going to stick with it and, you know, try to do the best we can with it. You know, and, and you mentioned that using the zone to kind of see if it works. And, and I, I know that you, you played a little bit for John Miller. And I, John was always, in my estimation, kind of really well known for wasn't a zone coach but he had that club in his bag and 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 if he threw a zone out there and it worked for two or three possessions he may stay in it for an entire half yeah and i mean that's kind of how you know we are you know and you know i'm mostly you know our program we're mostly man you know we like to you know we'll do some three-quarter quarter zone but you know we're mostly a man defensive team and you know it's kind of those things you throw a zone out if you can't get stops and you know, if it works, you know, we'll throw it out. And if it works, we're going to, you know, stick with it probably as long as we can in order to be successful with it. And, you know, and, and it's just those things you like having, you know, our kids know we, we want to play man, but, you know, they also understand if we got to go zone, uh, the things we need to do. And, you know, it helps out uh, when we can do those things in games. Well, and I, I appreciate your, your, your statement that it's a, it's a fine line between whether or not it's a, it's a scheme issue and you need to change it or whether or not it's, it's, it's a player issue and you just need to get them back. You know, you need to get them back on the beam, so to speak, buying in the way that they, that they should. That's a, a really difficult thing. And I think it's made easier when you have really good leadership. You mentioned that you have good leaders in your program. And I wanted to ask, are you are you guys as a program, are you intentional about developing leaders uh, and, and doing things to develop leadership in your players? Um, or, or is it more of a player driven thing where they just kind of pick up from each other and, and, and carry it on? Um, you know, we, we really don't appoint, you know, anyone, you know, we want to like the players to take ownership and some of them to step up and it's kind of interesting to see who will step up, you know, cause there's been the years where we've had a lot of vocal leaders and then there's been years where, you know, a lot of guys lead by example, 
Um, so it's just kind of the different teams we have, um, you know, who's going to step up. You know, there's sometimes we'll pick kids apart, and, you know, especially those veteran guys. You know, we've had some three-year players for us, and, you know, you expect from them when they're, you know, even in their second year, third year, uh, you know, as a varsity player, you know, they, they step up and, you know, take the reins of the program. And, you know, it, it's just interesting to see, like I said. And, you know, it's been uh, – it's fun. You know, because we've had uh, some groups, you know, when we went to state, that group, you know, had guys step up and we had some vocal leaders on that team and then we lose them. And then the very next year, you know, we have a couple of guards who aren't the most vocal, you know, but, you know, they work hard and they're, they're talented and kids kind of follow that lead. So, you know, as leaders, I don't think you always have to be vocal with it. Um, but, but, uh, you know, if we don't see some leaders, you know, we're willing to step up and say some things, but I think as a coaching staff, we kind of like seeing who's going to step up in those situations. Well, and, and I think that that's what you mentioned there is that that's the fine balance also in coaching is at, there are times with certain teams where like it or not, you have to be the leader the, the coaching, the coaching staff provides the leadership. Some guys just aren't wired that way. And, and, and then having the balance of knowing when, if, if that's how a year starts, I, I don't know how you feel. I always felt like with, with any team, like at the start of the year, it's my team. And, 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 at, and at some point this year, it's got to become your team and I've got to be able to turn it over to you. And, and it's just, it's, it's tougher with some groups than with others. And when it's not tough, when it, when it's an easy process, I think a lot of times we shouldn't be surprised by the success. And again, I wasn't competing with that team directly, but when you went to state and I think it was 2016, um, yeah, 15-16. 15-16. When, when you went to state with that group, uh, that group to me when I uh, epitomized what it was like to take the reins of a team at some point in that season. It became their team, and 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 you guys as coaches were you you were kind of facilitating their success. Yeah, and, and that was a you know a great group, and we had three starters on that team that. Uh, um, you know, we're three, three-year guys for us and they really stepped up and, you know, we're leaders for us and, you know, and, and not some of them, you know, were vocally, you know, they had no problem getting up, you know, someone's face and saying something to them and, you know, to try to get them going or, you know, Austin Leith, our point guard, would get the group together and say some things to them. And, you know, it, it was nice that they, you know, and, you know, they bought into our system and they bought into leadership. And, you know, I think when you have guys that have played three or four years of varsity basketball and sometimes even two, I think they understand what's, you know, is expected and that needs to be done uh, at the varsity level. And, you know, those guys were, you know, able to do that. And I think that's why we were, you know, so successful. And, you know, I talked to those guys, you know, quite a bit and you know Chandler's been coming to some open gyms and you know um like he said and, and John you've seen our teams play you know that wasn't the most uh the best offensive team we've ever had you know no, I mean certainly not. like I said it, it was one of our worst shooting teams from outside we've we've had um you know but you know they had they were a team that was very good at you know we try to get this to our guys now that if someone's going well you know, if Chandler was going well or Hayden or Josh or whoever, um, you know, came off the bench or Trev, uh, they knew to continue to run plays to get that guy to basketball, you know, in the best situations we could. And, you know, that's probably one of the best groups we've had to buy in uh, to our defense because that's, you know, one of the best defensive teams I've ever coached. And, you know, they, they were able to pick up on the scan report and, you know, execute that thing to 
you know, almost a T for us. And, you know, it was just good seeing that uh, leadership out of those guys. And I think it was big, you know, when you have a you know a run like that, you know, we have guys in, you know, at the JV level, freshman level, junior high level, who've all seen that, you know, so now coming through our last, you know, five years in this program, you know, getting into year five, you know, these kids kind of have that mindset, you know, kind of some of the things that they need to do, um, you know, if they want to, you know, make a run or have a very, you know, successful season or win the NWC or those sort of things. And, and you've made mention a couple different times in the podcast about the value of your staff. And I always ask this question of, of coaches. When you became a head coach for the first time, when you were given the reins and it was your program, can you recall what it was like trying to figure out how to put together a staff? Um, well, you know, when I got the job, you know, they mentioned to me because Larry Clark was already on staff and, you know, they informed me that I had to keep him. And right. I mean, that was, an, that, was, that was a no-brainer to me anyway. Um, you know, wanting to keep that guy on staff. I mean, what he did here at Lincoln, he was, he was here. And then when he went to Perrysburg and, you know, what he was able to do with that program, I mean, that's a wealth of knowledge. You know, you, you want to keep on your bench. And, you know, he did a great job for us there. And then uh, my JV coach now who's been with me, Andy Brees, you know, he's been coaching at Lincoln View, I mean, for, like we said, before I got here. And, you know, I knew I wanted him with me at the JV level as long as we could. And, you know, Coach Byrne, you know, who was here before I ever got here, you know, coaching, you know, he's been kind of in and out of it. He helped me at junior high and came up to freshman. And, you know, he's a guy, I mean, his knowledge, you know, is off the charts also. And, you know, getting the opportunity to get him at my varsity assistant was, I think, huge for me. And it's huge for our program as we continue to, to build. And like we talked about, I've mentioned a lot of my college coaches well now uh one of my other high school assistant coaches eddie dreyer i mean he's finally jumped on staff with us so you know i think right now you know those three guys with me you know we have a you know pretty good core uh, a group to work together and the knowledge we can pull from all the different areas you know that we've kind of coached you know it's a great group of guys um to be with every single day. I mean, you get to coach a basketball team, but, you know, piecing those guys together and we all have different mindsets. And and I think that's the thing, you know, I like, you know, they might have a different opinion than me because I don't want, like I've always said, I don't want yes men. You know, if I'm doing something and they don't agree with it, I kind of, you know, they'll let me know it and look to switch. And then, you know, it's on my shoulders if I agree with it or not or how, how that all plays out. But, yeah, I think at, at Lakeview here, we're just blessed with the with the staff uh, that we were able to put together. Well, and and it, obviously you've you've had a great staff, and, the, and more importantly, you've had a very uh, stable staff um, during your time there. And and Red, I, again, I'm I'm a guy who I don't know. I, don't, I I guess I tried to be a coach without an ego. I don't think you can coach entirely ego free because if you didn't have some kind of ego, you'd probably never make it to stay in the business. But I I think there's a re- remarkable amount of importance. Uh, over the course of a long season, which a high school season is, is is to making sure that those guys on your staff have and use a voice, particularly during practice, so it's not all coming from you. And so when you've got guys with that kind of experience, talk a little bit about uh, how that's benefited your program. We just just those guys having a voice that that you know it's it's not it's not you all the time directing everything. Right. And, and I mean, you know, I talk quite a bit, like most head coaches do, but, uh, 
you know, I think Benji, when we're on our end of the court and we're working, you know, he's the one that has no problem stepping up and, you know, throwing out what he, his ideas and his things. And, you know, I think the kids are very, you know, receptive to him. And, you know, I think, you know, his, his level of suggestions, you know, we, we go with and, uh, I think he just does a great job and, you know, they respect anything he says, you know, out of all of us coaches and, uh, you know, they'll buy into, you know, what he says or what our other coaches say, you know, even if it's coming from our uh, JV, you know, with Coach Brees or Coach Dreyer stepping up and talking, uh, you know, they listen, you know, and we'll do drills together. And if a coach sees something, they'll step up and talk. And, and I think it's good just because they get it from a different perspective, too. You know, and, you know, I'll say it a certain way or Coach Byrne could come in at a different time and, you know, tell him a different, you know, same sort of thing in a different little way and, you know, to help him understand it a little better. And, you know, I think that, you know, helps going back and forth. Well, and, and I, I think there's, like I said, I just think when, when the assistant coaches are comfortable enough and the players know that that voice is, it, they have the opportunity to speak and, and if, if by, by not, by not limiting that, you're you're giving credence to and support to and 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 emphasizing the importance of what assistants have to say. I think there's a, a ton of value in that. Um, in the time that we've got left, I'd like to spend five or six minutes here, if we could, just talking a little bit about your program's evolution. I know what kind of defensive coach you are. We've spent some time talking about the importance of that. Do you feel like over the time that you've been from where you took over as a head coach to where you are today? Uh, has there been anything about the offensive end of the floor where you feel like you've evolved, gained some things, learned some things that maybe you didn't have when you started? Um, yeah. I mean, with all the technology out there, you know, now, I mean, it's, you know, I try to learn all the time. I mean, I get emails every day, you know, you can order DVDs or just go to simple coaching clinics. I mean, when this whole virus hit, uh, the National High School Basketball Coaches Association were putting out, you know, free videos where you can listen to college coaches and do all that. And, you know, we've kind of mixed up our, you know, our offenses. We've been four out, one in, five out, you know, dribble drive. We've kind of mixed in anything we can. I think a lot of that, you know, deals with, you know, what team we have, you know, and, you know, what, what, which one, if we have a post player, we want to go five out or those sort of things. If, you know, we have guys that are more skilled out on the wings, um, but, you know, I think one thing that I've always done, and, you know, I think anyone who listens to this and, you know, coach, John, we coach against each other and you've watched us. We always run a lot of sets, um, you know, and sometimes I think probably too many or we put them on, you know, certain games. But, you know, I think evolving that way, you know, learning new new plays to run or counters to those things are kind of what's helped me. And, you know, just terminology to use also. Uh, when it comes to what offense we want to do uh, to help explain it better and just better ways to teach it. I mean, because you'll sit there, you know, and listen to one coach who runs a four out one in offense and things they want to do. Um, and then you got another coach, you know, that talks about the same thing and just the different ways to pick up things, you know, and different ways to teach it to your players at different ways. Um, you know, I've tried to get better at uh, as we've went along offensively here and, uh, those sort of things. So, I mean, I'm always going to pick up on stuff and you're always trying to improve. Uh, and then on the offensive end, you're always trying to, like we said, do things and, you know, try to put our team in the best position, you know, to win. And I think that's, you know, if you know a team you're, you have coming back, what offense you feel is going to work best, you know, you want to try to 
you know, learn as much as you can about that offense and get these kids to, to learn it and understand it. Uh, that way, you know, going into whenever they get to you at the varsity level to be successful. Well, Brett, I, I think you just said something as you were describing how you approach things. Is it, It's easy to talk about what people do. Hell, you can go to any, any YouTube channel you want to or, or, or watch clips, and you, you can see what people do. But it's getting guys to talk about how they do it uh, right. is where the difference is, is made because – I mean, you know, there there are a lot of people sitting in the stands on a Friday night that could tell you that you're running a five out offense and 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 oh, I love five out or I like four out or I don't like flex or I don't I, I, I don't know how you can determine what something is if you don't know how they're going about it. And and I, I've talked to coaches. I, I had coaching colleagues and friends of mine who would say things like I can't stand offense X, Y or Z. We'll say flex in this case. I just can't stand the flex offense. Well, what 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 can't you stand about it? What 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 is it that you don't like? Because I bet there's a way to teach that so that it's more effective. I, I you know, and, and and the same thing is true in today's game. I think everybody's teams, not everybody's, but a lot of basketball is starting to look pretty homogeneous. People are all kind of trying to play the same way, but in reality, you know, the, the the setup might be the same. It's it's what you emphasize and how you teach it that's really critical. And I think that gets lost sometimes uh, in coaching because there's so much available and there are so many resources out there. Um, listen, I, I told you we'd try to keep this to an hour and I just sat here and took notes and I know I could do another hour. So I'm not going to let myself do that. Um, I, I would like to have you back on at some point down the road, maybe right before the season starts to talk about uh, some of your sets and just talk about the things that you run um, and, and how you couple things up, what you do with, you know, packages and things. I want to get into some topic conversations and, and let guys share things that they're passionate about. And I'd love to have you on uh, to do that down the road. If you're interested at all, I would, I'd like to try to set that up. But for now, I just, I just want to say thanks. I, you know, this is, again, this is, it's a podcast. People will listen, but for me to wrap up, I just, you know, when I got back into coaching for the one year I was at Allen East and there's a whole story. And if anybody wants to know it, they can listen to the intro to the podcast clear back at the beginning about me being there for a year and then not being there. But, you know, there were a lot of guys that I competed with and some I knew and some I didn't. Uh, nobody treated me better uh, than you did during that year and, and and was more supportive of what we were trying to do. And competing with you was a blast, even though losing wasn't very much fun. Um, but I can say that, that since that time, I, I just I feel fortunate to call you a friend and, and uh, appreciate the way that you approach coaching and, and, and really admire your program. And so I wanted the chance to say that. And, and again, I hope you will uh, come back on the podcast at some point, because I'd love to get you on to get into some specific X and O topic and really have fun with it. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. You know, like I said, I'm honored to be on here. John, and I'm lucky to call you a friend also. It's great seeing you, you know, and we get to go against Ada and you're at the game watching your son and getting the opportunity to talk to you, you know, a little bit. It's always great. You know, it's, it's fun to get to interact with you and talk with you and want to do it anytime. Well, we will definitely set something up. I wish you good luck getting hopefully a season started here later in the fall. And and uh, I don't care what this says about me. If you got an extra Lincoln View basketball T-shirt laying around, uh, I, I will take a Lincoln View T-shirt and I'll wear it. I won't wear it when Ada comes to your place, but I will wear it. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm actually recording this podcast wearing my Kurt Gutemiller Marion local shirt. So, uh, if I, if, well, and, and you don't even have to send it. You just hang on and we'll, we'll cross our fingers and hope COVID lets us play you guys. I'll see you in, I'll see you in middle point in about four months. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Listen, take care of yourself and I'll be in touch. We'll get back and, and, and do something like this again soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, John. All right. Thank you. Thank you.
Thanks so much for listening again today. If you would like to listen to previous or future episodes of the Talking Hoops with Coach John Cook podcast, you can listen on Spotify or Google Podcasts as well as several other podcast platforms. Please review, rate, and subscribe. And if you would like to support the podcast financially, you can do so at anchor.fm backslash john-cook. That's J-O-N-C-O-O-K-0. Anchor.fm backslash john-cook0. Thanks again. Hope to talk hoops with you again real soon.